Informing America's farmers and ranchers. This is AOA, produced by the American Ag Radio Network. Now, here's your host, Jesse Allen. Welcome into AOA, Agriculture of America. Thank you for being with us here today on the program as we talk about what is happening that's impacting agriculture and rural America. I'm your host, Jesse Allen. Today's AOA brought to you by our friends at Cenex, Cenex Premium Diesel. With Cenex Premium Diesel, you can count on a diesel that will keep your operation in top shape. Find your everyday products powered locally by Cenex. Well, coming up here on today's show, we're going to talk markets in just a second with Darren Newsom, Senior Market Analyst at Bar Chart. We'll also take a look at weather for the week ahead. I know some areas of the Midwest saw pretty heavy rainfall here over this past weekend. How's that impacting things? John Baranek with DTN will join us coming up in segment two. In segment three today, we will talk about the cattle market overall. We had a cattle on feed report here this past Friday. Dr. Daryl Peel with Oklahoma State University will be joining us to have a wide-ranging discussion on what's going on in the cattle industry. And then in segment four, we'll talk with Dan Schur, chair of the board for CHS, uh, about some exciting news they have shared as they're returning some some dividends to their producer members, their cooperative members. So we're going to talk to Dan about that coming up here at the end of the program today. First up, though, let's take a look at what's going on in the market trade. Darren Newsom, senior market analyst at Bar Chart, joining us here to kick off the program. Darren Hope you had a great weekend and hope you're doing well. Yeah, good morning, Jesse. Certainly am. And as uh, as you said, you know, one of the uh, I don't watch you know sports really as if for the same reason as a lot of folks do, but I do get to check the weather from across the country uh, when you tune into all these different games that are being televised over the weekend. And you're absolutely right. There were some areas uh, that saw some pretty good rains. Uh, you know, mm-hmm. here's where uh, we're in harvest sometimes. So uh, that's that's one easy way of tracking it. Definitely one easy way of tracking it. I would agree with you. And, you know, I I take a look at what is going on in these uh, markets tied in with the weather, of course, you know, any of those rains, will it slow down our harvest activity at all? It it feels like more of the same going on in Mm -hmm. the grain markets right now, but also a few things of note, Darren. Absolutely. I mean, this could be an interesting week in in the corn market Uh, from a technical point of view. Last Friday, the December issue, uh, the December contract completed a bullish spike reversal on its weekly chart. Doesn't sound like much, sounds like some technical mumbo jumbo, but what it means is that trend, that that intermediate term trend may be trying to go up despite the fact that we've got basis weakening, future spreads weakening, all of these sorts of things. So the fundamentals are getting less bullish and all of a sudden we've got this bullish signal uh, popping up on the on the weekly chart. And if we tie that into what we saw in the CFTC non uh, the CFTC commitments to traders report, non-commercial traders increased their net short position to over 101,000 contracts. This was the largest net short futures position since the week of July 28, 2020. So, hmm. you know, all of a sudden, you know, why would corn rally with 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 fundamentals getting less bullish? We could see a round of short covering, and that's it. Uh, now, you know, we, we had that going into the weekend and coming out Monday morning, we get this announcement of a large sale to Mexico split between 2023, 24 and 24, 25. Uh, so we'll see. Maybe that proves to be the catalyst that gets some of this non-commercial short covering moving. We see it for a few weeks. We'll just have to sit back and see what happens. <laughs> And I find it interesting that corn sale to Mexico, that big one you mentioned, a little over 1.6 million metric tons. You know, Mexico in here 
buying U.S. corn despite all the uh, the trade issues with yep. Mexico in regards to corn. So I think that's an interesting caveat to that situation, Darren. It is. Uh, you know, again, uh, Mexico buys a lot of corn from the U.S. There has been a trade dispute going on for quite some time. Um, the biggest thing is, you know, is this kind of a one shot deal? Is you know, is this what we usually see, say, with China and soybeans, where it comes in and they do a one fell swoop? We've seen corn under a lot of pressure. Uh, you know, again, we've we've come down to its lowest levels in quite some time. The cash market continues to weaken. So it is going to start getting attractive for those countries, regardless of, of the trade fights that are going on. I mean, if they need supplies, it's going to start to get to be an attractive price. Mm, very, very true. I, I want to ask you as well about the broader uh, stock markets. Mm -hmm. I know last week, of course, we had the Fed, the no move by the Fed, yet mm -hmm. uh, a bit of a hawkish tone from the Fed indicating that we could see another rate hike by the end of the year. So how is all of that outside market chatter playing into the grains uh, and the livestock trade there? Yeah, it's, it's interesting because uh, one of the, my favorite phrases that came out of last week was a hawkish pause uh, by the Fed. And, and, it's, and it's a good description of what it is because we are expecting another rate increase either at the end of October, early November meeting or possibly in December. So we are expecting at least one more here in 2023. And then Chairman Powell even opened the door to some possible raises in early 2024. So we've seen the US dollar here already Monday go uh, Monday morning go to a new 2023 high. I found that interesting. It's got some technical things going on as well uh, that was talked about uh, in some financial pieces over the weekend, uh, some from bullish technical signals. So there seems to be some money flowing into the US dollar and theoretically and historically when that has happened, uh, it usually means money starts coming out of commodities. And so, you know, again, if we're looking at the fundamentals of, of corn, soybeans, wheat, and so on, uh, and we say, okay, the dollar's going, the dollar should strengthen in here. Theoretically, that could take some of the investor interest out of these other markets. So, you know, we, we could see some pressure. You know, the thing that corn's got going for it, and so does Chicago wheat, is traders are already short. So if nothing else, again, these rallies, if we see them could be just short covering and nothing else. Before we wrap it up here today, I mentioned that we're going to talk to Dr. Peel a little more about the Catalan feed report later in the show, but your take on the Catalan feed numbers from Friday. Really, there was nothing out there that the market hadn't already shown us uh, with futures and future spreads through the month of August. Now, you know, the, if there was one number that jumped out at me, and again, it wasn't a huge surprise, but if there was one number that jumped out at me, it was the placement number of over 2 million head. This was the largest, I think, since going back to about November 2022, so almost a year. Uh, so again, I don't think it really changed the picture much uh, for the live cattle market. I think we're still dealing with the same sort of uh, fundamental setup, but uh, you know, there could be some that get interested or some get excited by those numbers. Well, before we let you go, Darren, any other final thoughts, anything else that you are keeping a close eye on when it comes to the markets this week? Yeah, you'd mentioned the S&P and, and the stock indexes. And right now we're seeing a normal seasonal sell-off uh, in the S&P 500. That usually comes to an end at the close of this week, the last weekly close of September. So, uh, and then we start, and then the index starts moving higher again in October. So, you know, it's been under pressure. We've got all this talk about the dollar and all of these other things that could be pressing, uh, pressing the uh, indexes lower. Now we'll see how, how much staying power it has, if it goes beyond this week or if we see our normal seasonal turnaround. It's definitely going to be interesting to watch. And like you said, uh, more of the same, so to speak, mm -hmm. here in these markets uh, moving forward. And 
we'll be keeping our eyes on things. Darren, it's always uh, always great to chat with you. I know we were chatting before we went on the air. It's soup season. What's your favorite uh, soup in, in your household? Uh, it, has, <laughs> it has to be my wife's homemade chicken and noodle soup. Uh, I would take that any day of the week, any any week of the year. Uh, I think my favorite right now is an Italian tortellini soup. So that's what <laughs> I'm going to go with here in our household. On that note, Darren Newsom, Senior Market Analyst at Bar Chart. Thanks for joining us on AOA today. We appreciate it. Thanks for having me on again, Jesse. And we got to have a little fun every now and then here on the show. That is, again, Darren Newsom with Bar Chart. All right, coming up next here on AOA, brought to you by Sedex, Maxtron Synthetic Diesel Engine Oil, oil that runs smart. We're going to get an update on the weather with John Baranek from DTN. He'll join us next here on AOA, Agriculture of America. Join us the first Wednesday of every month on AOA for the latest episode of the Monthly Grind with our friends at the National Corn Growers Association. We'll discuss the latest topics surrounding the corn industry, the relationships between corn and other parts of the agricultural supply chain, the newest initiatives and partnerships from NCGA's Market Development Action Team, and much more. That's the first Wednesday of every month for the Monthly Grind on AOA. It's a show you don't want to miss. When people look at your farm, they just see corn. But to you, it's a lot more than that. It's a college fund, your retirement plan, and it deserves trait protection that can stand up to heavy pressure threats like corn woodworm. SmartStacks Pro with RNAi technology is trusted on over 1 million acres to protect the things that mean more. Trade up at SmartStacksPro.com. Always read and follow pesticide label directions, IRM, where applicable, grain marketing, and all other stewardship practices. Copyright 2023 Bayer Group. All rights reserved. Non-attorney paid spokesperson. Could your house go into foreclosure? Are you behind on your mortgage payments? Does it seem like the bank has no interest in helping you save your home and you feel like you have nowhere to turn for help? Then we have good news for you. Foreclosure Protection Services can help save your home as they specialize in foreclosure assistance. That's all they do. If you're behind on your mortgage payments, being threatened with foreclosure, have been denied a loan modification, or been the victim of a predatory loan, it's critical that you call Foreclosure Protection Services now at 800-926-1701. Their network of attorneys and their agents are available to speak to you now. If you're behind on your mortgage payments, Foreclosure Protection Services can help stop the foreclosure process. Call today before it's too late. New laws are in effect that may save your home. Call Foreclosure Protection Services now at 800-926-1701. 800-926-1701. That's 800-926-1701. Nothing offers an opportunity to bond and give thanks quite like breaking bread together. This is especially true as we welcome our troops back home and keep those who are still stationed overseas in our hearts. Hi, I'm Gary Sinise. Since 2011, the Gary Sinise Foundation's Serving Heroes program has shown gratitude to our nation's defenders and their families by serving up nearly 500,000 hearty classic American meals at travel hubs and military locations. And now, together with our friends at Bob Evans Farms and their Our Farm Salutes program, we will help to provide even more meals nationwide, offering our defenders a taste of home and a feeling of togetherness around the table. Help us show America's gratitude through food and fellowship. Look for the Bob Evans Our Farm Salutes purple packaging at your grocery store and visit ourfarmsalutes.com to learn more.
While we can never do enough to support the men and women who serve, together we can make a difference, bite by bite. Informing America's farmers and ranchers, AOA. Now back to Jesse Allen. Welcome back to AOA Agriculture of America, brought to you by Cenex Maxtron Synthetic Diesel Engine Oil. Everyday products powered locally. That's Cenex. You can find your nearest Cenex location very easily online. Just go to Cenex.com. That is Cenex.com. Well, Darren and I were joking there at the end of uh, segment one. It's fall. It's soup season. Well, fall also means it's harvest time across much of the Corn Belt. And we saw plenty of uh, heavy rainfall across some of the driest areas of the uh, Western Corn Belt here over the weekend and parts of the upper Midwest. And we want to get an update on that and more. Joining us now, John Baranek, DTN meteorologist, is with us. John, good to catch up with you again this week. I hope you're doing well. I am. Thank you, Jesse. Yeah, we did see quite a bit of rainfall here over the Western Corn Belt, and it was fairly widespread. I mean, not everybody got it, and it's really unfortunate for some of those that didn't, but um, it, it's it's really hard to find large sections of, of the western half of the Corn Belt, if you look at uh, west of the Mississippi River there, um, that got less than a half inch at least. So, I mean, mm -hmm. that's, that's pretty widespread um, for, you know, a, a couple of days there. And there was lots of areas there that, that saw over two. I myself in, in Minnesota had over two in my rain gauge on Sunday morning. I couldn't be happier about it. Um, and, and, you know, we've been talking about this kind of growing drought over the last, you know, several weeks here. And, um, you know, we've had some cuts into it at times, but, you know, states like Iowa, Minnesota, Wisconsin had didn't really benefit from any of that rain, really. Uh, but we, a lot of these areas certainly got it over the weekend. So it was, it was really nice to see a lot of the areas that needed it got it. And it's really going to mm -hmm. help with a lot of the soil moisture and any uh, fall or winter uh, crop planting, forages, uh, river systems, everything getting, uh, getting on some good rainfall here over the weekend. Yeah, and I know I heard some talk, uh, my family there in northern Iowa, northeast Iowa, it's been a pretty big area of drought as well. We got some pretty decent rainfall totals, a couple inches here over the weekend. So to your point, uh, plenty of areas, some pockets got some good rain. Now I should ask, John, with how dry things have been, how much of that rainfall went immediately in the soil to help with soil moisture and maybe not so much uh, runoff to help out the river system. I mean, are we seeing more of the impacts to soil moisture with just how dry it's been? I think so. And a lot of it was more gentle than that hard hitting, you know, two inches of rain in, in a couple of hours thing. It was more like two inches of rain in like six to 12 hours. So mm -hmm. uh, a lot of that just soaks right in. Um, and, you know, it's obviously too late for most of the crop here this year but you know, getting some of that soil moisture in it, it was really important um as far as how much would run off and get into uh into the river systems it's hard to tell um just because uh, if you look at the missouri if you look at the upper mississippi um even the illinois river system you know all those that kind of feed farther south to that uh, the southern uh the lower mississippi valley that river um it's it's just been so dry it's just it's really hard to see a lot of that kind of you know, really providing a large boost. What it does do is it stops the stops anything from getting worse. One, and then if we do get subsequent subsequent rains here uh, over the next few weeks, um, you know, we could expect a little bit more runoff to occur 
than we would have had we not gotten this rain. So it's it's sure. a good priming rain, uh, at least for for getting the rivers kind of you know at least a little bit thirstier and and looking for for some more uh, coming into their banks. Well, John, I look at the weather map here starting off the week and looking at the forecast here for the week ahead as we get ready to turn the calendar in October. Uh, I see some rain activity up in the Pacific Northwest to start the week, and I, I have to wonder, how is that forecast shaping up here for the next 7 to 10 days? Will we be able to continue some of that rapid harvest activity that's already started up across a wide area of the uh, Midwest? Yeah, we'll have to see here. That system that produced the good rain over the weekend isn't gone. It's still kind of spinning up over Minnesota right now. We've got a couple of bands of, of rain there and into Wisconsin. That little low is going to just, it's cut off from the jet stream. So it's, it's going to be a slow mover just off to the east or southeast through most of the Midwest. We'll see some isolated showers, some scattered showers at times kind of move through those areas. Those areas didn't get a whole lot of rain over the weekend. So a lot of that is, is going to just soak right in. Um, but, you know, folks, I'm sure won't be harvesting in the rain, but uh, I don't think it'll produce uh, a whole heck of a lot of, of delays to harvest. Even the heavy rain that came over the Western Corn Belt, I mean, with it just soaking right in, uh, it's not going to it's not going to take too long uh, for soils to be, uh, you know, stable out there for you to get some equipment out. So uh, overall, that's all right. But yeah, it'd be the forecast looking forward. And as you mentioned, that uh, the, the rain you see in the Pacific Northwest is tied to a really large trough out there. It's going to slowly move its way into the western states here this week. Um, we'll see kind of uh, a front move into the, the the northern plains and into northern Minnesota here by the end of the week, and we'll see some you know some of that energy come from the west and and go up there northeast into central Canada towards Hudson Bay. So clipping uh, the northern plains with that, with uh, some at least shots of showers and thunderstorms. Whether or not it turns into some heavy rain like we saw over the weekend is still eh. We'll see. Uh, but it's it's at least some rain, um, and that trough might be sending at least some pieces of energy into the rest of the plains, kind of from Nebraska southward through Texas. And we may see some isolated showers popping up there uh, later this weekend and into the next week as well. Um, this is a really slow-moving kind of thing, and, and we're going to wait for another trough to move through Canada to kind of pull that out of the west and 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 send it eastward. Um, models are still trying to figure out how that's all going to come together. So uh, unfortunately, we're just going to have to wait and see. But it, it, it at least will push uh, a front through most of the country and give uh, a lot of folks a chance for some rain. But, um, you know, as far as harvest uh, delaying rains here, I'm not seeing a whole lot of it unless you're in the Dakotas um, or, or northern Minnesota uh, at the moment. Um, just so many areas are still dealing with so much drought. And while we, the soil moisture we got was is good, I mean it's it's we're, we're running huge deficits. Mm -hmm. um, so uh, all the rain uh, that that might be coming here over the next week or two um, will definitely be soaking in as well. We're talking with DTN meteorologist John Baranek here today on AOA. John, let's turn our attention to South America, Brazil. Of course, uh, rapid planting is uh, getting going there. I know we're watching their weather, how they get a start to their growing season pretty closely. So get us up to speed. What is the latest you're seeing this week in Brazil and in Argentina? Yeah, so this last week of September and going into October is really when they crank up their planting down there, uh, just on average. And, um, you know, they've got overall pretty good conditions to do so. Outside of that far southern state, and we've talked about it, I think, for the last couple of weeks, Rio Grande de Sul has had just some pretty, pretty heavy rainfall down there and there, it's causing some issues, um, with wheat and corn planting. Uh, but, 
other than that state, I mean, most of South America is in, in pretty decent shape. Central Brazil's really starting or, or waiting for their start to the wet season to come. You know, they've been really dry over the last four or five months. Had some actually early rains. I think we talked about it uh, in late August. Uh, they've had some spottier rain since then. Um, so that's been some decent, again, kind of priming rain, but they're still really dry. They need this, the, the re actual start to their wet season for them to really kick up their planting. Um, and they, they've looks like that might happen here later this week. So there's, there's a, a front down there in southern Brazil. They'll be moving up kind of into central Brazil here uh, Wednesday or Thursday and, and stall out. And models have showers and thunderstorms continuing there into next week. It looks like that's going to be the start to their uh, traditional wet season. Uh pretty much right on time. So mm -hmm. uh, things going well for them uh, in Brazil. In Argentina, you know, we, we've talked about them coming off their historic drought from last year and they got some decent rain and soil moisture was improved, but you know, over the last week or two, the rains have been kind of eh. Um, we haven't seen a lot of, you know, really good rainfall to kind of help keep that momentum going for them. So it's good planting conditions, but they, they're, they're gonna need some more rain here for some good germination and uh, early establishment of their, their uh, crops, which they're, they really start getting into planting here over the next week or two um, with that. Uh, mm -hmm. They have some showers early this week, but the rest of this week and into next week looks kind of dry. Um, but, you know, they're still, you know, early in their planting season, early in their year. If they have a little bit of early stress, it's not horrible as long sure. as the rains come. Now with El Nino, they typically do. So um, I don't think they're stressing out too much quite yet. Um, anybody that had uh, winter crops down there, winter wheat or, or barley or, or something like that uh, might have some issues with that. Other, otherwise their, their main corn and soybean season, I think is going to set up actually pretty nice for them. John, real quick, got about 30 seconds. Any other final notes you want to share with us here today? Yeah, um, you know, we're still looking at the tropics. That's always going to be a topic of, of, of importance here over the next month, maybe six weeks. Uh, we did see a tropical storm kind of move up the east coast over the weekend. That produced some heavy rain there. Uh, luckily, it didn't flood out too many folks. Um, but we're going to keep watching that. Right? With some of these fronts moving through and kind of sticking around the Gulf of Mexico, you know, it's, it's really easy to kind of pop up a, a, a quick tropical storm pretty mm -hmm. quickly there in the Gulf of Mexico, just how warm those waters are. So uh, we'll have to keep our eyes on that. There's a couple of little things that there we'll be watching over the next couple of weeks, but nothing overly concerning at the moment, just something to watch. Well, we appreciate the insight as always. DTN meteorologist John Baranek, thanks for joining us here on AOA today, John. Have a great week. We'll talk to you next week. Sounds good. Thanks, Jesse. All right, up next, we'll take a look at the latest Catalan feed report with Dr. Daryl Peel from Oklahoma State University here on AOA, brought to you by Cenex Premium Diesel, a diesel that doesn't mess around. Back with more right after this. Join us every Tuesday for Around the Table, brought to you by CHS, as we discuss how cooperatives support farmers and ranchers and build strong communities. Each week, we'll chat with voices from throughout the cooperative system. From global market access to local expertise, we'll explore how co-op ownership means you own a world of opportunities. Tune in on Tuesdays or visit cooperativeownership.com to learn more. Young farmers don't listen to the radio, right? Wrong. In a recent survey, 74% of young producers said they get their most important agricultural information from their trusted farm radio station. Surprised? Don't be. If you think about it, it makes perfect sense. 
Radio is the perfect companion because it goes with you everywhere. Whether you're in the shop, on the combine, or in the truck, Farm Radio is right there with you. This message brought to you by the National Association of Farm Broadcasting. You're listening to AOA for the American Ag Network. I'm Richard Risvet with this market update. The grains and livestock are mixed this morning after another attack on the Ukraine port city of Odessa. The significant damage happened overnight, according to officials there, following a large-scale attack on the city by Russia. Russian missiles struck a hotel near the ports while doing notable damage to other port facilities in the attack. Ukrainian officials believe that the attack was a retaliation for their attack on the Russian Navy headquarters on the Crimea Peninsula on both Friday and Saturday. Odessa and other port facilities continue to be the target of Russian forces as they attempt to stifle Ukrainian grain exports. Two smaller ships have already loaded with grain and departed via the new humanitarian channels that was created by Ukraine in recent days, with three more heading to the ports to do the same. Russia has so far resisted the temptation to directly strike at the vessels carrying grain from Ukraine, but instead has focused on escalating the risk for them doing so by striking the ports. Now, the overnight strike did provide some modest support for grain and oil seed prices, particularly Chicago wheat. However, the markets pretty much take the Ukraine export challenge in stride as long as Russia continues to dump massive amounts of cheap wheat on the world market and as Brazil does the same with corn. Weekend rains also focused on drier areas of the western Midwest. That's bringing a temporary slowdown to early harvest progress, while perhaps providing a boost to some of the late maturing crops. The weather pattern is certainly turning wetter than it was, which is largely too late to help with this year's crops, but farmers will welcome the moisture for fall field work. It will replenish moisture levels for the next growing season and for hopefully boosting water levels on the Mississippi for transporting grain toward the Gulf ports, while also facilitating movement of fertilizer northward. USDA is also scheduled to release its quarterly grain stocks report on Friday. Now that one is known for its market moving surprises. The VIX is trading near 18 this morning while crude oil prices are about unchanged. This is AOA for the American Egg Network. I'm Richard Ristvet. Take a look under your bed. Find stuff under there? What about jobs? No? Now try your basement. There's a pair of overalls that overall you're not so into anymore. A perfectly good laptop that hasn't sat in your lap in months. And even more stuff, but still no jobs? Well, you really have both. See, stuff is defined as household articles considered as a group. Sometimes this stuff is no longer needed. Wait, no longer needed? That can't be right. Because remember those jobs you were looking for? Those are really needed, and they're the stuff inside your stuff. Even inside that winter coat that moved with you to Phoenix. Our job is to unlock those jobs, and it starts when you donate your stuff to your local Goodwill. Here's how we do it. When you donate to Goodwill, we sell your stuff to provide job training for people right here in your community. So just by teaming up with Goodwill, you help create jobs. And isn't that worth parting with the leftover guitar from your 80s cover band? Goodwill. Donate stuff, create jobs. Find your nearest donation center at Goodwill.org. A message from Goodwill and the Ad Council. Informing America's farmers and ranchers, AOA. Now back to Jesse Allen. And thank you for joining us here today on Agriculture of America, AOA. Jesse Allen back with you here in studio. Today's program brought to you by our friends at Cenex. Cenex Premium Diesel, Cenex Roadmaster XL, a more complete additive package for a more complete burn. You can find your everyday products powered locally at your nearest Cenex location. You can find that location, if you don't know where it is, online, Cenex.com. 
Well, we had a Cattle on Feed report out on Friday. We want to discuss that and also uh, take a look at just this cattle market as a whole. Joining us now to do just that, Dr. Daryl Peel, professor of ag economics and also extension specialist at Oklahoma State University. And uh, Dr. Peel, it's great to talk with you, sir. I hope you're doing well. You bet. It's great to be with you this morning. Well, let's dive in and talk about this latest cattle on feed report. And you look at the headline number, cattle on feed down 2% as of September 1st. I know that placements number was 5% below last year. I think that was a number that jumped down at some folks. As you just take a, a broad look at this cattle on feed report, uh, I mean, does anything really surprise you with the numbers that we got? Well, in this particular report, I don't think there was a lot of surprise. The report was pretty well anticipated, and it certainly reinforces what we've been seeing and expect to continue to see, and that is simply that uh, cattle numbers are tight, um, and that's going to you know, continue to pull these feedlot uh, inventories down over time. Now, uh, looking at uh, the placements, the marketing's number was 6% below. Uh, I know other disappearance was 4% above. I I'm with you, though, Dr. Peel. It doesn't feel like there was really anything surprising to write home about. If you look at the regional numbers, I mean, I didn't see anything there either that was really a big surprise. No, again, I don't think so. Uh, you know, this just reflects, uh, you know, uh, what we've been seeing with these yeah. uh, the feedlot numbers coming down. Um, marketings are down. You know, obviously there's less cattle, uh, less cattle coming out of feedlots. Slaughter's down for this year. That's extremely correlated with the feedlot marketings, obviously. And so, uh, you know, everything's kind of playing out uh, as we've been seeing it for several months. So let's get an idea of how this uh, cattle market in general is looking heading into the fourth quarter here, Dr. Peel. Uh, you know, it's no secret, as you alluded to, we've been hearing about it, that we're, we're getting a lot of these uh, these cows, uh, cattle pulled forward, and, and we got to eventually start rebuilding this herd. I mean, what's the latest you're hearing out there in ranch country, across feedlot country, about, you know, how soon we could really start to see this herd get rebuilt? You know, I've been doing a few meetings lately, and the feedback I'm getting in general from producers is they're taking a very slow, kind of cautious approach, and, and I think there's a number of reasons for that, fairly good reasons. You know, obviously, producers have been through a lot, and we still have a lot of drought around, so that's limiting what some people can do in certain regions. Other folks maybe are not as much in the drought right now, but have just come out of it, are still trying to recover from the standpoint of their resources, their pasture conditions, forage conditions. A lot of folks are just telling Telling me that hey they've been financially stressed enough the last few years that uh, in the short run they're taking advantage of the current uh, prices that we have in the market to go ahead and sell a lot of things before they think about uh, maybe uh, you know retaining heifers and starting that herd uh, rebuilding process so the, the upshot of that is that we still see uh, you know we've been seeing large numbers of heifers in the feedlot heifer slaughter has remained high I think that's going to start to come down here more at the end of the year but it looks like we're going to you know really Really not uh, really start uh, herd retention or, or herd rebuilding uh, seriously until we get into 2024. I know as well. Uh, we continue to see you look at the sale barns and just some of the prices that have been out there, both in the south and in the north. I mean, uh, just thinking about some of these record high cattle prices that we've been seeing, it's it's been quite a run here for uh, the last, uh, I'd say, at least year plus, Dr. Peel. 
It has been. Uh, certainly, you know, over the last year, I mean, we, we've generally been trending higher coming out of the pandemic all the way back to 2020, but it's really been in the last year that we've seen these markets really accelerate. We are at record levels nearly across the board for feeder cattle and fed cattle at all levels. Um, but, you know, if you look at the numbers and you look at the fact that we have not really started any heifer retention, at least nothing that we can detect in the data at this point, that means there's a lot of squeeze coming ahead of time, you know, coming ahead as we go forward. Um, when we do, in fact, start pulling these heifers out of the feeder supply, and that means that uh, even though we're at record levels, and, and it's a little scary as an analyst for me to say we're at record levels and we're going to go higher, but that's exactly our expectation right now um, for 2024 and 2025 is that we're going to continue to see uh, high, uh, you know, higher average prices for cattle across the board. We're talking with Dr. Daryl Peel from Oklahoma State University. Dr. Peel, you look at the corn market with prices pulling back there a bit. Uh, do you think that's an opportunity for some folks to to lock in any feed needs here for the fourth quarter and into next year? What's your take on that situation? You know, uh, on top of everything else, we have had elevated feed costs, particularly from a feedlot perspective. Cost of gain has been record level, essentially. And, and we do expect to see a little bit of relief in that, so I think that will provide a little bit of help. Obviously, feedlots going forward, and feedlots have had a good year. We've been marketing cattle that were purchased in a lower market, and this uptrend uh, is, is very friendly, in the in, at least in the initial stages. But going forward, feedlots are going to struggle with cattle numbers, just finding cattle to have in the feedlot as well as the prices for feeder cattle so the relief that they get from feed prices will be very helpful to them and certainly uh, they will want to take advantage of any opportunities to uh, uh, to price some of that feed in at a level and, and know at least what that part is going to be for uh, for their for their uh, overall budget situation I wonder as well, in the broad scope of all of this, uh, a lot of worries still out there about overall inflation and the outside market pressures on on grains and livestock, et cetera, Dr. Peel. And I mean, we, we hear talk of maybe another rate hike from the Fed. So and what impacts that could have on domestic demand here for, for beef and pork and chicken, et cetera, at the grocery store. I mean, how how concerned are you with just the current economic outlook overall and how that could play into this uh, beef cattle market here through the fourth quarter and into next year. You know, the demand situation is one that we've been watching it for several years for a variety. We've been through a lot of uh, volatility the last few years and lots of things that could derail uh, beef demand, and we haven't really seen those problems uh, develop thus far. So the short answer is, uh, you know, I call it so far so good. We're still watching it. Uh, we haven't really seen any real impacts there, but certainly there is lots of things, as you mentioned, that could, uh, could jump up to be an issue. Now, one of the big things that's going to be more obvious as we go forward is that, uh, you know, we're just going to have less beef. Beef production is falling in 2023. It's going mm -hmm. to fall even more in 2024, which means that uh, there will be more market rationing going on. I suspect that overall beef prices will stay high and actually move a little bit higher, but that will be on the basis of tighter supplies, which does mean that some consumers are going to make some adjustments and uh, they simply won't be eating as much beef just simply because there, there won't be as much beef to eat in, in the coming months. That's a, a great observation and a great point, and one has to wonder if that could spill some of that demand over to the pork market especially, or chicken, or lamb, or other cuts uh, in the meat case. I think that'll be interesting to watch closely. 
Dr. Peel, before we uh, run out of time and let you go here today, any other final thoughts? Uh, we've covered a, a wide range of topics here uh, on the show today. Any other final thoughts you would care to share with us, just what you're keeping an eye on in the cattle market right now? Well, I think we've covered the bases, but I think the you know the real key, the real unknown is 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 sort of uh, when will producer expectations you know really uh, take a hold here and and start this herd expansion, um, herd rebuilding I should say, and th and that really would begin at the earliest with sort of heifer calves this fall. I'm you know I'm begin I'm beginning to think that maybe we're not going to do as much of that as I earlier thought, which would mean that we're going to push off uh, heifer retention uh, a little bit more into 2024. Now, I suspect some people are, are, well, I know some people are retaining heifers, and, and some people that are selling heifers for the uh, revenue needs this fall uh, may be selling to someone else who's, who's keeping some of those heifers. So I think it's going to be really interesting to see sort of to what extent we see some heifer retention by the end of the year, and that'll really set up the story then for just uh, how tight things are going to get in 2024. Well, it's definitely something we are going to be watching very closely. And uh, Dr. Peel, appreciate the conversation. I know uh, you've been on AOA many times before. I believe this has been our first conversation since I took over as host, though. So I thank you for the time, and I'll look forward to having you back on the show with us again real soon. You bet. Happy to do it anytime. Dr. Daryl Peel, Extension Specialist for Livestock Marketing and Ag Economics Professor at Oklahoma State University, joining us here today on AOA. And a lot of great insight there. Always appreciate a conversation with Dr. Peel here on the show. And it's going to be really interesting to watch how this uh, herd rebuilding happens across uh, parts of the plains and the feedlot country. And uh, how soon does it start to happen? Um, a lot of great things, uh, a lot of thoughts uh, now, rattling around in my head, uh, thanks to that conversation with Dr. Daryl Peel. Cattle on feed numbers, again, uh, down 2%, according to the latest report from USDA, the September 1st number, totaling 11.1 million head for cattle on feed. Placements in feedlots during the month of August was 2 million head, down 5% from last year. Marketings of fed cattle during August came in at 1.88 million head, which was 6% below year-ago levels. Other disappearance was 55,000 head uh, during August, which was 4% above last year's number. And again, most of those numbers uh, came at essentially right in line with the pre-report average estimates and within the range of expectations. So again, not many surprises seen with the cattle on feed numbers there, according to Dr. Daryl Peel. All right, well, coming up here on AOA, before we wrap it up here today, we are going to have a conversation with our friends at CHS, Chair of the Board, Dan Schur. Going to join us next here on the program as we're brought to you today by Cenex Maxtron Synthetic Diesel Engine Oil, oil that runs smart. We're back with more here on AOA, Agriculture of America, on the way right after this. What do Mick Jagger, Barbara Walters, and Star Jones all have in common? They've all suffered from something called heart valve disease. Heart valve disease affects 11 million Americans, and if left untreated, can lead to death. Unfortunately, less than one in four Americans have much knowledge of this disease that kills more than 25,000 people every year. The good news is that if heart valve disease is treated, patients can recover and live long, happy, and productive lives. 
But in order to treat heart valve disease, you need to know if you have it. If you or your loved ones are over the age of 65, have been treated with radiation to the chest, have been diagnosed with a heart murmur, or have a history of heart disease, it's time to listen to your heart. Ask your doctor today about screening for heart valve disease. A message brought to you by Heart Valve Voice US. For more information about the symptoms and treatment for valve disease, go to heartvalvevoice-us.org. 54. So, basically, it's too late to start saving for retirement, right? Not right. Starting to save, even in your 50s, can really make a difference. Well, right now, saving seems hard to wrap my head around. Plus, with the way this year's been going... <laughs> hey, listen. It's okay. You still got this. Just go to aceyourretirement.org. It's an online tool from AARP that can help you get your retirement savings on track no matter your age. It's free and only takes about three minutes. I like three minutes. Yeah. At aceyourretirement.org, you'll chat with Avo, the friendly digital retirement coach. Just answer a few questions and you'll get a personalized plan and tips to help boost your retirement savings. Tips that are easy to understand and tailored to your lifestyle. I like that too. Plus, it's sponsored by AARP, so you know they got your back. Just head to aceyourretirement.org and make your plan to start saving for retirement. Thanks. That's aceyourretirement.org. A message from AARP and the Ad Council. Challenge. It's not something you shy from. It's a chance to up your game. Every day brings a new challenge. But with the Enhanced Channel Seed brand on your side, you can rise to it. With our top-performing seed, innovative digital tools, and expanded agronomic support, you can turn tomorrow's challenges into your next advantage. Your Enhanced Channel Seed brand. Let's rise to the challenge. Learn more at channel.com rise. Read and follow pesticide label directions, IRM, grain marketing, and other stewardship practices. Do you know how much one stock of wheat is worth? Well, you're about to find out. Wheat is a member of the grass family that produces a dry, one-seeded fruit commonly called a kernel. There are about 1 million kernels of wheat in a bushel, about 50 kernels per stock, which if we do the math is about 20,000 stocks of wheat per bushel. That means that if a bushel is worth $8, then each stock is worth about 0.04 cents. So, you would need 2,500 wheat stocks to equal $1. Now that one bushel of wheat will yield approximately 42 pounds of white flour or 60 pounds of whole wheat flour. A bushel of wheat makes about 42 pounds of pasta or 210 servings of spaghetti. Wheat is the primary grain used in U.S. grain products. Approximately three quarters of all U.S. grain products are made from wheat flour. And in the United States, one acre of harvested land yields an average of around 45 to 50 bushels of wheat. So if you ever wondered how much one stock of wheat was worth, now you know. These farm facts brought to you by the American Ag Network. Spot less. Introducing the cleanup for tar spot, gray leaf spot, southern rust, and more. Novel next generation at Astrio fungicide. Broadens your spectrum and strengthens your residual when it comes to foliar disease control in corn. Visit your FMC retailer or at astrio.ag.fmc.com to clean up this season. Follow 2WE for tar spot management in corn. Valid until 131.28. Always read and follow all label directions. In today's troubled world, our USA Armed Forces stand ready to protect you, your family, and our American way of life. When veterans return to civilian life, they deserve your recognition and support. You can help put vets to work by donating your car, truck, or van to Patriotic Hearts. Your donation will directly support programs to help vets find jobs or even start their own business. Donate today for fast, free pickup of your vehicle, running or not. 
Operators are standing by to answer questions about making a tax-deductible vehicle donation. Find out how you can make a difference in the life of a United States veteran. Call 800-209-6416 for 24-hour response. Call 800-209-6416. 800-209-6416. That's 800-209-6416. Information America's farmers and ranchers need. AOA. Now, back to Jesse Allen. And welcome back to AOA, brought to you by Cenex, Maxtron Synthetic Diesel Engine Oil. Oil that runs smart. You can find your nearest Cenex location online very easily, Cenex.com. Well, right now we want to turn our attention to our friends at CHS. They've announced that they're returning quite a hefty sum of money back to their cooperative owners. Here to tell us more about that, Dan Schur, chair of the CHS Board of Directors. And Dan, great to have you on AOA with me today. I hope you're doing well. Well, thank you very much. I appreciate that you uh, invited us on. Well, Dan, let's uh, talk a little bit about this. Uh, CHS announcing it intends to return $730 million in uh, cash patronage and equity redemptions to its owners here in the 2024 calendar year. That is a, a pretty big number, and I have to think that is uh, something that a lot of uh, CHS cooperative owners are happy to see, isn't it? Well, yeah, I think so. It's just a great value statement for the cooperative system. You know, this is the way that it's supposed to work that uh, when you're a member of a cooperative and, to, you know, for those that aren't familiar, just to be to be a member is pretty much you do business with us. And if you're a customer, uh, you become a member and a member is uh, entitled to patronage. So when we have a successful year, when we create value, uh, we do a great thing. We pass that back to those that do business with us. And that's rural communities, that's farmers, that's cooperatives that do business with us in the in the places that we live. Kind of a unique, uh, I think, system. Uh, mm-hmm different maybe than you typically see in the, in uh, the, the business world where you might return your earnings and dividends back to to some stockholder that you don't know and uh, maybe lives in a different country. Uh, we, we send ours back to those that uh, we work with and uh, there are customers with us and they live with us and they live in the communities that we operate in. So just a really nice uh, way of business system I think that we have. Well, and Dan, to your point, the cooperative system is unique. It's been around for a long, long time for folks uh, maybe listening in who aren't aware. I know we have plenty of folks listening who are aware of the cooperative system. And I think to your point, returning that money to uh, rural America, to the communities that CHS is a part of, uh, I think is just so key and great to see it. It's really a help to folks uh, in those communities throughout rural America, isn't it, Dan? Well, it is, and uh, shows shows commitment by the cooperative system, not just us at CHS, but others. And uh, it is it is substantial that what we do. I believe, and a lot of times you think about a cooperative, they may be the only business in a community, or the only one that employs people. And uh, so we can, uh, as a cooperative system, have an impact on rural rural America. 
CHS has passed over the past 10 years has passed $3.2 billion back to its owners. And that's just part of it. If you think about the cooperative system as a whole, it continues to pass back their earnings to their, to their farmers and ranchers. Just a great testament to, to the structure of a cooperative. I couldn't agree more. Couldn't agree more. We're talking with Dan Schur, the chair of the CHS board of directors and Again, CHS uh, intending to return $730 million to its owners uh, in the way of cash patronage and equity redemptions here in the calendar year 2024. And of course, you know, that cooperative system, it's it's always great to work with folks uh, who are your neighbors. You know, Dan, I think about when when you got to go into town and, and try to get some seed or chemical lined up or talk about bringing grain in from the field or whatever the case is, there's so many different facets of the cooperative system, but I just think about, you know, seeing stories like this and and working together there in rural America. It's great to work with your neighbors, kind of to the point you mentioned earlier about, you know, some companies you might have a stockholder in a different country. All of this is is here at home and it's kept local. And I think that's great. You know, when I think about it on my farm, so I farm in eastern Iowa, uh, corn and soybeans, but the cooperative allows me to extend my farm and my reach beyond what I typically would, you know, the end of my driveway when the grain leaves. Uh, the cooperative system provides me the inputs to my farm and the fuel. We have Senex fuel here from CHS, and and then I sell my grains, uh, and that goes down the river and exported with CHS all over the world. Or we process that grain and and. I get to share in that value and that value system through the through the patronage program. For those not uh, familiar with patronage, as patronage is is the is like dividend that we pay back to those customers that do business with us, that are members, our farmers and our ranchers and our cooperatives. So we have a good year, and this year we we had a good year, and we're going to pass back seven hundred and then thirty million. So three hundred and sixty-five million of that is cash patronage, which is defined as just uh, cash back to you just for doing business with us. It's mm-hmm. uh, somewhat like what we think about as a rebate. And then another $365 million is going to be equity redemption. So as you do business with us uh, as a cooperative, you earn equity in our company. And that's part of, of the value statement of doing business with us. And then we pay that out over time and we try to keep that current. So the $365 million of it is just, is identified just for that. Fantastic. Dan, before we let you go here today, uh, how is that fall harvest looking there in eastern Iowa? Are we uh, seeing a lot of combines in the field quite yet, or are we just getting started? What can you tell us? Just getting started. Uh, we uh, we have been struggling for rain. Now, eastern Iowa would typically be an area that typically gets plenty of rain. Uh, adequate rain, and this year we did not. Uh, we are short. We've been dry for most of the of the season, but of course, when we wanted to start rolling combines here this week, we started getting rain. But I would say, for the most part, people have, there's some going, but but we're just getting started, mainly in corn, a little bit of soybeans, but most of our soybeans looks just a little farther out. I think as you think about yield uh we will be shorter than uh the normal our dryness uh, had an impact i'm sure our yields are down uh, uh substantially but yet we still have a crop and a, a crop that i think we can be somewhat proud of well we appreciate the insight there on fall harvest in eastern iowa and we'll wish you a safe and happy fall harvest with that 
Dan Scherer, the chair of the CHS Board of Directors. Thanks for joining us here on AOA today. We appreciate the time, Dan. Thank you for having me. Well, we're out of time here on AOA today, brought to you by Cenex Roadmaster XL and Cenex Premium Diesel, diesel that doesn't mess around. Coming up on tomorrow's AOA, we'll talk with Brian Jennings from the America Coalition for Ethanol, and we'll talk the ag economy with Kurt Covington from Ag America. I'm your host, Jesse Allen. Thanks for listening to AOA, Agriculture of America. Have a great rest of your day. When people look at your farm, they just see corn. But to you, it's a lot more than that. It's a college fund, your retirement plan, and it deserves trait protection that can stand up to heavy pressure threats like corn woodworm. SmartStacks Pro with RNAi technology is trusted on over 1 million acres to protect the things that mean more. Trade up at SmartStacksPro.com. Always read and follow pesticide label directions, IRM, where applicable, grain marketing, and all other stewardship practices. Copyright 2023 Bayer Group. All rights reserved. Sports allow us to play, learn, and grow. But there's something more important than victory. At the U.S. Center for Safe Sport, we believe every athlete deserves to be safe. Safe from abuse and misconduct on and off the field. We equip athletes, parents, coaches, and others with the right education to recognize, prevent, and respond to harmful behavior. Join the movement to champion respect and end abuse at uscenterforsafesport.org. You are not your diagnosis. A medical chart is not your identity. And vision loss does not define you. Your drive shows who you are. And you are not alone. Because we are driven too. To be a beacon of strength. A champion of courage. An advocate for hope. You are not alone. Because we are stronger together. We drive the research for the cures we are finding. We're fighting macular degeneration, retinitis pigmentosa, Usher syndrome, and the entire spectrum of blinding retinal diseases. We fund. We fight. We, we win. win. We, we, we are, are the, the Foundation, Foundation Fighting, fighting blindness. blindness. Together, we are fighting blindness. Join the fight at fightingblindness.org.